Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Round Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comic Extension. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Nicole Lamb. Hello. Hello. Chris Casso. Hello. And, of course, Mr. Cole Hornaday. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cole. So, Chris, what do we got on the table here? It's a John Wick action figure. John Wick 2. I ordered it a year ago, and I thought it was canceled, and then it showed up on the invoice. I'm like, I'm paying for that this week. <laughs> but it's got some really, really, it's it's beautifully detailed, but what's impressive is um, all the, <laughs> that's the pose you take a picture of. <laughs> Look, he's the, training. The articulation, um, it's got these funky <laughs> knees that yeah. are. They go back further than you normally would. The, well, yeah. they're, so like they're like ball double, socket knee joints. Yeah. Are they double jointed? I think so. And he's got extra hands, including a pencil hand, so he can murder you with that pencil. And he came with dog. And yeah. uh, I, <laughs> when, it, when, I, when it was first in the order form, I was like, that's really cool, but I don't need it. And then I turned the page online, and it was just like, dog. Order, order, order. <laughs> so, yes, I do not regret this. As we've been recording, so he's been in different poses of working out, and the dog has been helping. Mm-hmm. He's It's yoga with dog. Yeah. Yoga with yeah. dog. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, yeah. Been, it's been good time. And that's like the upward dog position. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You see what I did there? Yep. <laughs> he's like playing airplane with his dog. And he's got yep. two heads. One is battle damage, and it looks perfect. The one that's not battle damage looks like Adam Driver. <laughs> 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 There's only so many degrees of Keanu versus I guess. Adam, I guess. Yeah. yeah, so I was just like, I think he'll be battle damaged from now on because I don't need the Adam Driver <laughs> wake figure. <laughs> so. Boy. Um, anyway, uh, when, I, when I was a kid, I, uh, I loved me some Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And when the movie came out, I, I, it, Roger Rabbit was all over the magazines, and I loved to put some paper over like the cover of Time magazine mm-hmm. and trace Roger Rabbit and color him in because I'm a nerd that way, <laughs> and I couldn't draw on my own. I had to trace. You were not tracing Roger. I was tracing. You Roger. were tracing Jessica, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not true, but uh, I don't believe I, I would you. Be, I don't no, believe you. I don't have enough shame to. I mean, I have enough shame to say, wait, no, (laughs) I don't have enough shame to say that I would have actually done that. But you were so obsessed with Roger that she took a second seat to him. She did. Uh, There might have been one picture with both Roger and Jessica, but it was because, uh, but I was, I traced it because of Roger. Anyway, I was probably like, uh, when did that movie come out? 88? I was 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 12. (laughs) Anyway. Prime Jessica Rabbit time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Richard Williams, the Jessica primary Prime. animator of Roger Rabbit, has passed away. He was he was 86 years old. Uh, he was born in Toronto but moved to the UK in the 50s. He won two Oscars and a BAFTA for the 1988 film Roger <laughs> Rabbit. And uh, still holds up. Yeah, I just want. I actually just watched it uh, within the last year, mm-hmm. and uh, and still really enjoyed it. Judge whatever his his name is is still pretty freaky. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd. I mean, it's like a period piece with cartoons, so you can't really go wrong. Yeah, right? the phenomenal thing about that movie that I think people kind of forget is it was one of the first times where a film studio reached out to multiple film studios and said, "Hey, we're gonna, we would like to use your character, we, Disney. We want to use Mickey." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, first time you ever see we Mickey use and Bugs and Bugs together in yeah. the first time. Yeah, and there's isn't there a moment where Daffy and Donald are in the same scene together? Yes. Yeah, towards the end, it, at least. Yeah, there, well, Daffy and 
Donald Duck have a uh, piano duel. That's right. And there's a scene where uh, Bob Hoskins is falling out of a falling out. He's falling out of a window, and Bugs and Mickey give him a parachute. Mm -hmm. Disney and Warner Brothers had an agreement with the producers of Roger Rabbit to say the characters had to have exactly the same amount of screen time. Mm. But was there not some uh, a little bit of persnickiness regarding? Uh, depicting Mickey in a bad light because didn't he pop the balloon or some didn't he do something? No, it was Bugs, it was Bugs. who gave it was, yeah, did, Mickey couldn't be the bad guy, so Bugs right. Bunny was the gave Bob Hoskins the parachute that had right. a flat tire in okay. it or, or the bowling <laughs> ball or but something. Then there was a tire. Also, okay. And then there also was a great deal of fan service reward for being familiar with all these ancient cartoons, these Max Fleischer characters, not just Betty Boop, but you know, so, I mean, you, you gotta get a real, you, you know, what we just got done last week talking about the how, how Disney and, and uh, Sony can't get, you know, can't compromise on something. This compromise happening that long ago for a film like this was unprecedented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably it made at that, waves. At yep. that point, they still didn't think they necessarily were going to be worth that much. Like, it was valuable mm. to them, but it's not in our current age where these IPs are, like, in control of right. the world. Right. We're not talking true. billions at that point. <laughs> <laughs> billions. Yes. But Just hundreds of thousands. If I remember correctly, <laughs> the, it, they made those a lot of those bold choices for the book because those characters aren't in the actual novel who censored Roger Rabbit because, of course, that writer didn't have the rights to use them. Those are bold choices that were made by... Um, was it Amblin? Who produced the film? Um, Amblin is a good guess. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Touchstone. But it was Robert Zemeckis who directed yes. it, and yeah, he I also directed the Back to the Future movies. Right. And so <laughs> Roger Rabbit was one of the movies he just did in his spare time <laughs> between Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 and, two and 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's one of Ben's favorite films. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who produced it right okay. now because right. we need to move on. But oh. anyway, but, well, you're not saying anything. I was going to silently look it up, and everybody stopped talking. Well, so just let's just get a map. You. you want me to vamp? Um, pressure, pressure. <laughs> let's talk about lock and key, everybody. When I flew down to Oklahoma for some family stuff, I had uh, the two trades on the plane with me, and they made the flights go by a lot more quickly. Cool. Um, Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, uh, of course, wrapped up lock and key in 2013, but they're going to bring it back this October. For just one issue, it's going to be called Lock and Key Dog Days. It's going to con- contain two complete stories and a teaser for the upcoming Netflix TV mm. series. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah, they had to change the name of it because it's called something else in the order form, and then they uh, had to update the software to represent that. Uh-huh. So it sounds like they were still making some last-minute decisions. Lock and decisions. Key, Disney sucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, wait, who? So it's ne- going to be Netflix? It's a Netflix TV series. Okay. Yeah. It was bought by Hulu, the Lock and Key TV series, but then they That's they right. well like, before that it was like MTV. It. So because MTV was trying to do get into oh. the game back uh, a while ago, <laughs> and because uh, I remember the role of the kid's uncle was played by the guy who was that yellow bastard in Sin mm. City. That's right. I remember us talking about yeah. this a while ago. And then the role of the creature in the well was played by the girl from. That Canadian show I don't like that I can't remember, <laughs> where it's like about the girl who's a succubus, and oh, she's like a uh, bi succubus girl. 
Whatever. Well, that gal's getting typecast. On Sci-Fi Channel, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A couple years ago on Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. So it's like this. This was beginning to form a while back, and it had some of these people like that's interesting. That's interesting, and then it just kept dying. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I heard that the original pilot was just unwatchable. Um, I saw a little bit, and I agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so I thought the whole project got scrapped, so I was a little bit surprised when uh, I saw that they were doing this one-shot. Uh, yeah, I mean, the one-shot, who knows why? I don't think it's connected to promote the TV series. Oh, no, it's no. also, it's also you know, helping to promote um, Joe Hill's new venture. Uh, he's got a... Uh, it includes a preview of a new series that he's creating with artist Martin Simmons. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be 48 pages for $6 from IDW. Yep. Yeah, and if you like Joe Hill, he's doing Hill House stuff over at DC, which will be his Pretty horror soon. line. We're ordering yeah. the first one, Basket Full of Heads, right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basket it looks full like of there's going to be a solicitation every month through January that'll yeah. get each of the six series. But he's not writing them all, he's catering them. Yeah, so it's so. kind of a Neil Gaiman, Sandman University kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. J. Michael Straczynski and Mike Diodato Jr. are going to launch The Resistance. It's a new superhero superhero universe that, Chris, you wrote to, uh, wrote about it and said they pop up like weeds. They do. Because <laughs> there's another one from, like, Humanoids Press, uh, Ignition? I, no, yeah, that's one of yeah. the books. Oh, well, it's yeah. one of, it's one of the books, four or five books. I don't yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. whatever. So I'm going to forget about it pretty quick. Yeah, clearly I'm kind of surprised remember. that they're... You know, people are still trying to do that, do new superhero universes, do new shared universes, because it's at this point, it's really reinventing the wheel because um, uh, next week we're going to be talking about House of X and Powers of X and how uh, uh, there are some things that they did to reinvent the wheel that actually were quite successful, I think. But for the most part, a rounder, faster wheel. Yes, <laughs> with no spokes. Um, How much more circle can you get? <laughs> the question is none more circle. <laughs> or the answer is none more circle. Perfect. Whatever. Perfect. I totally forgot what I was saying. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> they reinvented the wheel. We yeah, shared universes, but, but we, it was better. Yeah. Uh, well, this we'll talk about it later. But um, but usually, you know, there are there are uh, analogs. To every, you know, to the big comic book companies that we uh, are very familiar with, and it's it's kind of depressing to me to watch them struggle to try to establish their own, yeah. um, especially when they start so high concept. Like with the uh, the humanoids, they've got five books, right? And something like that, uh, or at least four. And Resistance does it just have the one title. It, it's so far, so far. it's just going to be a short, like six issue series. But like or something. Catalyst, so maybe. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, uh, Catalyst Prime, like nobody cares about that anymore. Yeah, right. as far as I know. And that was supposed to be like the really progressive one that that featured yeah, more we, we characters. About so, that. Yeah, but it's just like I got like nobody subscribed to it, and I can't sell the trades, and it's like it's not going to last long. I think um, Valiant's struggling, and mm-hmm. if Valiant's struggling, that's not a good sign mm-hmm. um, because Valiant knows how to do stuff well, and I mean they're still doing okay, but it's just. You could only do so much of the same thing again and again, and we're right. drowning in it, you know. Yeah. But I, I, a lot of these people just want to hit that note and get in with the one good thing and get a movie made out of it. So I it's just you're probably right. That's yeah, what it feels like. <laughs> that's how comics are these days. Pretty much. Well, I mean, yep. there's just so much saturation. There's so many imprints. There's so many people starting imprints of imprints of imprints, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just too much. Yeah. And especially when you're going to do an analog of superheroes, you really got to have something special. And mm. even then. You're gonna have an uphill battle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
This uh, the resistance is coming from uh, a publisher called Artists, Writers, and Artisans. Too long. Uh, I'm gonna forget that. Make no, a symbol. It's AWA. No, I'm just kidding. AWA. I think they're calling themselves AWA. Oh, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's I, I've never heard of them before. Is that a is that a publisher? I think is that a, something new for Straczynski? I think is that a, a Straczynski's own like little imprint. company? Yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway, just make a it. Patreon. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, he did right. <laughs> I mean, he's guilty of of creating um, new superhero universes himself. He he oh, had yeah. a series that I thought had potential when it started out. It's called Rising um, Stars. Rising Stars, and I I enjoyed it, but very quickly you started seeing spinoffs and one shots and and that were not. I, I can't remember who drew it. I want to say it was Brent Anderson or somebody like that. He was, took over because the guy who started couldn't keep up schedules. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, but. I was immediately disenchanted with with Rising Stars because, you know, after two months after the third issue, we had four six part miniseries and one shots, and I'm like, no, I really don't. And 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 Rising Stars only ran twelve issues. Yeah, but it or ran it horribly canceled? late at some point. Okay, all right. But here's the thing, also worth noting: when he finished that, he went to Marvel and mm-hmm. did the reboot of the Squadron Supreme, calling it Supreme Power. And all he did was regurgitate Rising Stars and Watchmen, yep. which Rising Stars was a regurgitation of Watchmen. Right. And then later <laughs> on, they did that Squadron Supreme thing that I did and had an aneurysm about during <laughs> Secret Wars, which was also a regurgitation of Rising Stars. And so it's just like I'm no done. Just <laughs> Yo, dog, we heard you like your yeah. regurgitation. <laughs> Regurgitation. Also, yeah, there's a lot of big grudge. There's a lot of uh, 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 grudge held against him over what he did with Spider-Man too. Oh man! Right? Yep, yep, yep. Yep. And then the Gwen Stacy clones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, and those just one of those, and those are Diodato. I, I, I don't understand Diodato or Diodato. the people who Diodato. Um, the allure of the Diodato. Diodato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might check it out because I am not so resentful of Straczynski as some other people at the table. So I'm not that. Res- I, hey, Midnight Nation was great. Midnight Nation was a cool series. And that's I'll, I'll always give him a pass <laughs> because he worked it. on the Ghostbusters cartoon. That's right. Yeah, the resistance go. is said in the wake of a global pandemic that kills hundreds of millions, but leaves some with its survive, but leads, but leaves some of its survivors with superhuman powers. Yeah. And Diodato <laughs> Jr. says that this is uh, this is important because it establishes the universe. So they plan to go forward. We'll see if this six-issue series actually kicks off this universe or if it fizzles right. out. Yep. Yeah, I think you should be able to go out there and do the thing that you want to do. I just think that you shouldn't expect to like make a job out of it at this point. Mm. You know what I mean? I, or put it in a different format if you want to just like hit your fan base or something. Yeah, it's one of those things. of It's just how you package yourself. And yeah. if your expectations are realistic, yeah. that's fine. Um, you know, Otherwise, just say, I'm doing a thing. Just don't say, I'm making the next big hero universe. Yeah, right. don't like, yeah. You don't know. big corporate. Which, that could be head. of the people who made the article and not him. True, right. true, true, <laughs> true. So. Yeah. Uh, so we've spoken a lot about Disney buying Fox, but another big merger that happened was AT&T bought Time Warner. Yeah. And with that, they assumed control of DC. And um, Everyone's the step-headed fired. Red Child. No. <laughs> what did you say? I... Flipped it, <laughs> and not intentionally. <laughs> the step-headed red child. Uh, anyway, anyway. So a friend of the show, Rob Salkowitz, uh, or a friend of the store, I should say, Rob Salkowitz, wrote an article on Forbes.com, kind of calling out how uh, DC has kind of been shoved under the rug 
metaphorically speaking, by AT&T and Time Warner. Going back to this year's San Diego Comic-Con, where the booth for DC used to be uh, this massive standalone pavilion, but now it's just a corner underneath the uh, corner of the store, or the, the show floor underneath the uh, Warner Media pavilion but and in a uh, but most tellingly in a profile of CEO AT&T CEO John Stanky in an article of Variety DC wasn't even mentioned right yeah because they're been doing a lot of restructuring lately and that's you know vertigo and all these other things disappearing it don't sound like they know what they want to do yeah. or if they know that they have a thing that they can do <laughs> they basically just know like hey we got some IP Kids still like that Superman, don't they? Right. And that Batman? Yeah, let's do a thing. He's the guy that swims. Oh, yeah, that <sighs> guy. Namor. Yeah. So yeah. it's one of those things where it's um, DC media, DC entertainment. I don't know. I don't know what they officially call it these what days. What are you? In all of the things that Time Warner owns and now the AT&T owns, this article says that uh, AT&T's debt following the $85.4 billion Dollar Warner Media acquisition stands at 164 billion. So AT&T's debt is 164 billion. That's in business dollars. That's not like you know they're they're not getting kicked out of their apartment. But um, there's an eviction notice. The economy is fake anyway. So yeah. so there. So yeah. So I mean, I don't see DC going away. You know, DC is a is a it's too big to fail. Here's like an idea, say. though. Uh, since we're looking, if since they're looking at them like numbers and they don't know what to do with it or care about it, who could you sell this thing to get out of the hole? <laughs> There's a big old mouse in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no. Oh my goodness, it's like an office, and you know, it's like the the, the desk chair is like facing away from you, and then you turn and turn around, and it goes. Oh. I hear you need to make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's in trouble. He's like, he's like I heading to the door. I can't do that voice. <laughs> I'm just gonna oh, do I my voice. Do it, oh, I almost have all the stones to the gauntlet. <laughs> oh, so I guess you're kind of swinging in the wind, huh, buddy? Oh, oh. Oh. How's that? Was that good? That was good. Yeah, that was good. Okay. I think that wins. Anyway, so I kind of feel for DC because they're, they are as uh, <laughs> they are as Chris says. The uh, uh, step-headed red child <laughs> of, uh, uh, of AT and T. It works. <laughs> I have an approximate knowledge of what yes. I mean to say these days. <laughs> and finally today, jeez, uh, why? Why are we talking so much about these these last two weeks? Um, a bunch of films from 20th Century Fox are getting canned because they're not doing so well. Um, Fox didn't really hit get a hit with Dark Phoenix. It no. was uh, it's got it's got a write off of a hundred and something million dollars. Yeah. Um, Stuber, their other film featuring uh, one of my favorites, uh, uh, um, whose name I can't remember at the moment. He <laughs> nice. Drax. Who plays Drax? Dave oh. Batista. Batista. Yes, Dave Batista. And uh, Kumail Nanjiani, this uh, movie called Stuber, they, uh, that movie did not hit as well. So some people at Fox are uh, getting a little nervous, and Disney's kind of uh, uh, lowering the hatchet because Disney is, uh, you know, everything that they, they produce makes money. Mm -hmm. And so now that they own Fox, uh, it's not making money, and they're a little upset. So they're canceling a bunch of stuff. One of these things is the uh, uh, the live action film adaptation of Lumberjanes, 
which is a popular comic here. It was weird anyway, because yeah. wasn't it going to be like run by the Munchkin guy and like had didn't have anything to do with like the Lumberjanes creators? Like we talked about this years ago yeah, and it was like, remember. what are they doing? It should be an animated project anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would totally work. Animated. That would kill us an animated. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that one and they, they also... Uh, no, wait, that's not because of Vox. They killed Mouse Guard, but that's a different thing. Mm. Um, there's They killed a couple things. <laughs> they yeah. did. There's also, there was a, um, uh, a project that was in the works about misbehaving fairies pitched as naughty Tinkerbells, and I'm, and that's been canned, and I'm wondering why Disney would have canceled that. <laughs> 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 but then there's the, the New Mutants albatross that... You know, mm. they don't know what to do with. Apparently, it's I, 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 apparently it's unwatchable. Um, but you know that film has been in uh, post production. The, the Dead for, Souls or whatever. Yeah, or whatever set, that one was called. Uh, it's that set, was like in the mental institute. Yeah. Set in a yeah. mental institution. <laughs> um, I saw uh, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz tweeted being on the set. So apparently, there's they're borrowing stuff from the Sienkiewicz mm. uh, Claremont. New Mutant stories. Otherwise, I don't know why Sinkevich would have been there. Right. The uh, you say unwatchable, but did you sit through the Generation X thing from third from Fox? Of course I did. Yeah. I used to have it on VHS. It's got to be better than that. Oh, of course. Um, well, <laughs> Matt Frewer was... is the villain. Hey. Yeah. But anyway, uh, um, oh, the, the gal that played uh, uh, Frost had this terrible, terrible wig. Banshee was the head of the team. Yeah. It was oh, it was awful. Yeah. But yeah, so it just doesn't. That's not surprising. So, that's, you know, you're stretching there, my friend. You're reaching into the deep dark past. No one remembers that. I am. But I he am. knew that you probably did. <laughs> yeah, that's why he I asked did. you. I just kind of hate you right now for that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> one of the properties they're keeping around is Avatar, of course. Of course. And Steven Spielberg's reboot of West Side Story, a $100 million musical set in the 50s. Which Avatar? The blue people? <laughs> yeah. James Cameron's yeah. avatar. Yeah. He's got those yeah. planes. He dances yeah. with blue people. He's, yeah. he's got yeah. those planes. You know, where they look for unobtainium? Yeah. <laughs> and they use the papyrus font as a subtitle font? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And aren't they, but, I mean, that one's, that's a big, that's an expensive project because I thought he was doing it's two millions. sequels well, at the same time. He invented cameras for that movie. Yeah. They're not yeah. canceling that. Well, and no. they already have a, a Disney attraction uh, theme park for it, so yeah. it's like there, yeah. there you go, because you could go to Pandora. Ooh. I I know nothing of this movie. I've never watched it, and I just know that they're blue people. And it's basically the prelude to Battle Angel. It's almost good because of that. It's, it's <laughs> dances with Battle wolves Angel. with blue people. Dances with blue people. Yeah. Dances with wolves with blue people. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's move on to book report, everybody. And Nicole, let's start with you. Oh, it, this would have been a perfect time for me to pull my Abyss comics out. I do have Abyss <laughs> oh, comics. Yeah. 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 But I don't have those. Um, I don't think I'll talk about terrible things. Should okay. I talk about terrible things? Oh, let's do it. Okay, let's, let's talk it. about terrible things. So let's I, do it. Listen, dude. I read a <gasps> manga? I never <laughs> do that. I treated what? myself. I read um, uh, Goblin Slayer Volume 1. Trigger warnings. Um, this is not for all audiences. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the art, first of all, is by Kusuke Kurosi. I am maybe. And original story is by Kumo Kagu. Kagu. I don't know. We'll go with that. Um, and then there's some character design. Number no, no, Noboru Kanata. 
Tukey. I'm terrible. <laughs> I didn't Google translate these guys, so I don't know exactly how to say. Um, so it's, you know, it's a D&D analog of um, adventurers going in and adventuring. They're killing goblins. Um, and they get rewards because goblins are overrunning the villages. And the thing to note about goblins, and this is why it's not for everybody, is goblins are absolute horrible creatures who will do terrible sexual non-consensual things to you. Um, and they are like just base animal creatures, but they're also cunning. They're also intelligent and they, um, proliferate a lot. Proliferate? Yeah. We'll yeah. Proliferate. A lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and they grow pretty quickly and, um, there are different tiers of course in like the adventurers, you know, and they're all like gold, you, silver, You start platinum. at like porcelain. Yeah. Porcelain. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You start at porcelain and then let me see. I don't remember which ones you go. So. Porcelain, obsidian, steel, sapphire, emerald, ruby, bronze, and silver. And there's this young healer who wants to become an adventurer, and she's never done anything before. So uh, what's really great is you get the foreshadowing, because when she's talking to the woman, the woman seems just like, she's really nice, but you can tell, like, things are not, like, so great. You know, it's just like, oh, you want to adventure? Sure, you can adventure. <laughs> but it's worth noting that the higher-end adventurers don't want to touch goblins because it's beneath them. Yes. It's like pest control. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like you actually you probably need the higher level people because goblins like they're very cunning. And they if you are caught off guard, which a lot of new adventurers are, things can go terribly wrong. And that's exactly what happens on her first adventure. She gets hooked up with these people who have a lot of bravado and like, we can do this. We're going to do it. It's fine. They're just goblins. They're just goblins. Not a big deal. And they go into this cave and the goblins have these tunnel networks and stuff like that, and things are, um, uh, you know, lighting is not great in that area, so it's like people are distracted, they're looking at other things ahead, and the, and the goblins come around from the back, and they take the party out, they take the women, and they do bad things, very bad things to the women, and they kill a lot of people, and it's very murderous. And then uh, the goblin slayer, Shows up, Slayer, mm -hmm. and he is a what is he level silver? Or he's something like, like that? second to the highest. He's like one of the highest guys. Yeah, so he's so he must be bronze. Oh no, silver. Platinum is the number one yeah. Uh, rank. Yeah, um, and he comes in and he's an amazing fighter. And all he does is slay goblins. That's what he does. So even though he's a higher tier, he is still going in and doing all this stuff because he's like goblins are despicable, disgusting creatures. Um, you get to learn a little bit more about the goblin slayer too, about his life, and he he teams up with this young adventurer to um, try to to go and take out more goblins. Just kill goblins. Yeah, just kill goblins. He's the I Punisher mean, of goblins. I've said goblin <laughs> a lot. It's gobble time. Um So yes, it. Uh, if you have any issue with sexual assaults, you should absolutely avoid this. Mm -hmm. It is very brutal. Um, it gets most of the out of the way right off the bat so that it lets you know, like, this is what you're in for. Yeah. And then it focuses on character development a lot more after that. Um, and then it reminds you later on that it, it hates life. So Yeah, yeah. but I, I think what's interesting is it, it isn't necessarily one note. I mean, it is obviously a D&D &D analog, and it is very, very brutal. Um, but it does get to, like, humanity and, like, people's motivations and, you trauma. know. And trauma, yeah, yeah which um, obviously a lot of people are suffering from trauma in this. I don't know why manga and trauma are, like, the things that I always want to go with, but mm. they are very compelling. And um, there can be a lot of interesting analogs that you use to to tell those stories. Did you notice, interesting thing, goes through the whole series, not a single character has a name. 
Interesting. I don't even hmm. think I you don't notice that. it. Yeah. Not until the last episode of the anime or what last episode of the book, and the only person with a name is the title, Goblin Slayer. Yeah, it's not his name. That's true. Everybody's just like they just say, "Get the cleric." Oh, Elf Warriors here. Yes, yes. That's hmm. true. So it's all strength of characterization with no names. Yeah, it's weird. Wow. Yeah. But then you don't really need it because no. the people are unique enough. You know, their outfits, their it's. Like, if you've ever played a JRPG, like a Final Fantasy game, like, everyone has these outlandish costumes and all these things. It's like, it's the same thing in here. And then I have a fearless Dawn right here, too. Gosh, I got a lot of things going on here, guys. Uh, yeah. I would recommend Goblin Slayer, but only if that is something that you don't mind um, going into. Um, because it is interesting. I would like to see... I, I may actually watch the, uh, the anime um, as well, because Chris had told me about it a long time ago, where he was just like, Warning! <laughs> also, let me tell you about this thing. Is the anime <laughs> as graphic as the manga? Oh yeah, no, just as uh, graphicer in some places. <laughs> okay, um, because <clears throat> it, it has the strength of being able to show you animation death. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's fascinating just because like the character is just so much about killing these creatures that it's it's his whole life and it, it still makes you care about him as a person and he never takes his mask off so it's it's a nameless person who's a murderer and all this stuff but you still feel stuff for him yeah <laughs> you know. there, there's a point in the manga in this first volume where um he starts talking to the young adventurer girl and he just is like talking and talking and talking and it's like well, this guy doesn't talk. Like, what is going on here, you know? Mm. So he feels some sort of connection to her enough that, you know, he wants to just tell her his, like, life story or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting manga. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Goblin Slayer. Thanks, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Cole Hornaday, what do you got? Well, um, I got a, a graphic novel, or excuse me, a trade passing me by our dear friend Jim Jewell, who got it at... Uh, uh, the uh, half-price uh, uh, warehouse sale that I have yet to make it to, but Jim is really great at like getting that, you know, stuffing all the books he can into a bag for twenty-five bucks, and he frequently shares that with me. Oh, remember a uh, little, um, uh, little depressed boy when mm -hmm. I did the uh, yeah. uh, oh, magnum opus? That was all courtesy of Jim via the half-price uh, books warehouse sale. So. Thank you, Jim. Anyway, so Jim passed to me um, the collection of uh, God Country by um, Donnie Cates and uh, Jeff Shaw. It was originally corrected, uh, collected rather in 2017. Before we got in front of the mic, um, I checked in with Nicole, and because uh, I remember her reviewing this, but I think she recalls, and I do too, that she only reviewed the first issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to give you a little bit of review. Oh, I love this, by the by. You know how Image has on their trades, there's a little fine print um, sort of uh, genre identification for yeah. it to, to file under. And this one is, is uh, basically you file this one under epic Texan battle fantasy. Mm -hmm. Because that's a genre. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so basically, it's a story of Roy and uh, Emmett Quinlan. Um, Emmett is the father. They live out in rural Texas. Uh, Emmett is suffering from late-stage Alzheimer's. And uh, sadly, like a lot of people that I know um, who's dealt with this in their families, when... Um, 
when particularly males go through this late stage periods of Alzheimer's and paranoia, they become incredibly racist and verbally abusive. Um, it's like all those tendencies that were either buried or that side of their personality that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it, it kind of compounds the loss. And that's what's happening with Emmett. It's, he's just gotten so verbally violent and physically abusive that Roy's wife and daughter are leaving. Um, and then, um, everything changes. It, it turns into you know high concept fantasy where this um, magic sword uh, called Valifax comes through a portal. It's a twelve foot long sentient sword in search of a um, a host per se. And as soon as Emmett grabs the sword, his Alzheimer's goes away. His physique doesn't change. He's still like a 60, 70 plus old guy with a big old pot belly. Um, but his his memories come back, his identity comes back, and then he finds himself caught up in this war between the gods. And the gods in the story are not immediately identified gods of a pantheon that we know, but they're all borrowed or amalgams of pantheons. And the Zeus or the Odin figure who originally ha- uh, was in possession of Valifax has come back to get it and sent his son, who could be Hercules, could be Perseus, could be Mars, um, uh, to retrieve it. And so it, 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 the, the scope of the drama goes from these big epics with this giant sword and these giant gods that are three times the size of human beings to the family drama that's happening now that Emmett's memory has come back and his recollection of his family and the, and the terrible things he's done and the good things he's done with his life. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the story. I was surprised. And I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed it is that it took someone who I probably would not give a rat's patootie about and made me care about them. Um, this, you know, rural Texan redneck culture. And um, and it was uh, ultimately about family because there were parallels between the, the families of the gods and um, and the, the Quinlan family. Um, and uh, so it goes from this, this lower scope to smaller scope to the big scope. I really liked uh, Jeff Shaw's artwork. His artwork is very reminiscent of Sean Murphy. In fact, he does Sean Murphy's noses, which are the kind of the crosshatchy um, noses, hmm. uh, the colors. Uh, let me give credit to uh, Jason Wordy for the colors. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. It's uh, it's not a series I would have picked up when it came out, and had not Jim stuffed it into his mega bag of $25 books, I may not have uh, gotten around to reading it, especially after Nicole not caring for the first issue, but I'm glad I read it. I was reading this going, you know, our friend Emmett Montgomery would just be crazy about this book. Mm. I think he would thoroughly enjoy it. You should give it to him. Yeah, yeah it's not mine to give. Unless he's already... <laughs> Unless he's already uh, he may read have it. already read yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, God Country by Keats and Shaw. Cool. Thank you, Cole. And finally, Chris Casso, what do you got for us? I spoke enough during the Coles. Do you want to just count that as one, or do you <laughs> want me to go your ahead? turn now? Go ahead. Uh, I read the first issue of Strayed. It just came out uh, this past week. It is a new Dark Horse series written by Carlos Gafani and drawn and colored by Juan Do, um, who's busy. He got another book yeah. out this week, too. Uh, Strayed follows a uh, cat who can astro project. And uh, he was just born that way. He's a good kitty. And uh, and then his uh, his oh, um, his friend, owner, whatever, Lou. And the thing is, they're being held hostage by the human government of the future. And they're using the cat's ability to astro project to find planets to terraform and kill and subjugate the uh, civilizations to take their resources. And uh, so the cat... Um, 
it has like some dreams and it's basically there's some warnings from another civilization uh there might be godlike aliens out there and basically the cat just wants to be happy and live with his uh his best friend and she realizes that she's trapped in this government installation and she's trying to get the cat free too not much else happens so it was a little slow for me i think it'll be a stronger trade paperback um Juando's an interesting art style he did the um uh dark arc and uh, a lot of stuff from marvel too not too long ago um so i always like to check him out see what he's doing plus you know kitty cat in space i yep. was, was kind of down <laughs> with that um so interesting start we'll probably recommend the trade when it's all done cool all mm, right yeah. straight thank you chris well that is book apart and that is our show coming up is quiz time but before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bomb podcast is brought to you by the Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepanelejumper.com, as well as Comic Extension here at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsengine.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or however you get your shows at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And our friends, get your quiz hats on. It's quiz time this week. The questions come to us from Nicole. What? Or oh, do hi. they? Woo, 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 woo. I'm getting a little sleepy. <laughs> a little sleepy. Okay. Uh, this is courtesy of my friend Jeff. This is from his comic book trivia calendar because mm -hmm. I am lazy. Do you see how big this stack is? This is like... It's going to cover you this, for a while. This is into 300s, guys. 300 episodes. Is it over okay. 9,000? It's over 9,000. Wow. And it keeps growing. It's very it's scary. Okay. Random, just random trivia. Give us the dates for the Maybe trivia. Some, some quotes. So Thursday, June 6th. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday, June 6th asks, Who is OMAC One Man Army Corps an update of? And I can give you a, uh, I can give you a multiple choice on this. Please. Yeah. Um, one Superman, two Batman, three Captain America, or four Modok. Captain America. Such a weird way. Yeah, America. it is Captain America. <laughs> Interesting. <clears throat> Jack Kirby first had the idea for a futuristic Captain America while at Marvel, but he used the idea at DC. Oh, yeah. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you, June. Comic book trivia <laughs> Tuesday, June 4th. These are all in different orders. Which was the first miniseries? One, Wolverine. Two, World of Krypton. Three, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Four, Secret Wars. World of Krypton. Which came out in 1979 for DC. Wow. That would have been my guess too, but I would have thought it came out in like 1940 something. Mm. Nope. Thursday, May 30th. <laughs> 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 Who did the absurdly named Mod Gorilla boss fight? Chris. Uh, Angel in the Ape. <laughs> no? I will Gorilla. give you multiple choice. <laughs> okay. Okay. One, The Flash. Two, Gorilla Grodd. Three, Spider-Man. Four, Animal Man. Uh, uh, Flash. No, 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 no. Hmm? Yeah. Animal well, Man, I guess. Yes. Animal Man. Mod Gorilla Boss debuted in Strange Adventures, 201 of June 1967. <laughs> nice. I thought he fought. Oh, he did meet Angel and the Ape. Okay, never mind. There's mine. Yeah. Hey, one Good recovery there, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Got to keep that gorilla rep uh, high, nice. man. All right, Thursday, May 28th, when Captain America emerged from his frozen iceberg, who did he immediately take an interest in? This is interesting. <laughs> who did he go on a man date with? Whoa. Uh, one, 
<laughs> I just made that last <laughs> word up. One, Iron Man. Two, Rick Jones. Three, Agent 13. Or four, Thor. Agent Rick Jones? Rick Jones. Sorry, I can't say that on the mic. Uh, yes, because the. Because <laughs> Rick. I know what you're thinking. Dave Chappelle. Anyway, yep, yes. because the lad looked a hell of a lot like Cap's old side cap. Kick Bucky Barnes. Okay, we're almost through this guy. I, I just like he's got like the wasp and all these other characters, sexy ladies, and Sharon Carter, and he's just like, you look like my sidekick. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. Hey, scrappy young teen, wanna come hang out? Okay, anyway. Got some shorts for you. No. Got some shorts for you, no tights. All right. Tuesday, June 18th. What is the color? Don't look through the thing. <laughs> I just noticed we could do I that. I just noticed that too. <laughs> trying to look through that thin piece of paper. What is the color of the Global Peace Agency's masks? Well, it's it's flesh tone because it's a black face. So what is flesh tone in like old? <laughs> what? It's taupe. Okay, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you multiple choices. You're taupe. One orange, two purple, three green, or four red. I guess orange. Yeah. Orange. Yeah. yeah. They wear masks to hide their ethnicity in the futuristic world of Omac. Yeah. So I thought I was like, is that Omac? Is those the people in yeah. Omac? Yeah. I just assumed people. that you know, like in like. Orange was flesh, you know. I guess in old. for then, for in the old, right? In old yeah, days. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So th those are my in the old grandpa comics. <laughs> These are my no bake questions. <laughs> um, thanks, courtesy of Jeff. Thank you for helping me be lazy. All right. Well, and thank you, Nicole, and thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>